0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and you already know what time it is. It is time for the NBA Redraft, where we redraft him. We're going back, redrafting all these old drafts little by little. You know, we got to keep the content up, especially with the NBA season being down right now. Until the NBA season picks back up, we're going to continue to see the series. We might pull back down once the NBA season kicks up because we might as well talk about the NBA at that point. But anyways, I like I said, I'm your host, Adrian. Today we're getting into the 2016 NBA draft. But those who aren't familiar with that draft, or you just don't remember, you know, you no, know, you need somebody to remind you everything. Um, I will tell you the draft order. So the draft was with the first pick, Ben Simmons. You know all the hype he had coming out crazy. Then you had Brandon Ingram, another person who was crazy hype. <coughs> Excuse me. It was really between Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram, the top two guys in this draft class, because everybody's like Ben Simmons is supposed to be. You know every year they do the LeBron, Kobe. I'm not LeBron. Um, LeBron, Kevin Durant comparisons. They have. Certain players are supposed to resemble this player, this player, whatever. So Ben Simmons was supposed to be the LeBron prototype. 6'10 point guard, crazy passer, crazy athlete, amazing defender. He was he was supposed to be the next LeBron. The hype around Ben Simmons coming out of high school, coming out of LSU was crazy. It was so crazy. Everybody's like, he's gonna be the person that can do it all. But we had to wait for him, obviously, because he got hurt before the season started, so he had to sit out his rookie year. But the first pick was originally Ben Simmons. And then you had Brandon Ingram. Everybody was like, Yeah, this man, this man's a bucket. Even later in his career, Kevin Durant was even said that there was like, if there was one player I actually had to compare to myself, it'd be Brandon Ingram. Because people compare people other players to KD all the time. He's like, Yeah, I don't understand those other comparisons. But Brandon Ingram, yeah, I see that. Brandon Ingram was coming out skinny. Tall, 6'9", 6'10", amazing scorer over there at Duke and everything. So he 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 was supposed to be, you know, the big guy. He was supposed to be the the next Kevin Durant, the next elite scorer in this draft. So it was really between those two. And then you had you had the um the you had Jalen Brown coming out of Cal. He was he was kind of a he was kind of a unique prospect. He was he was like a raw prospect and everything. Everybody was like, he's gonna need time to develop and everything. But if he can put it together, he could be a really good player. They didn't. They didn't think he'd ever be an All Star level player, but they thought he'd still be a really, really good player. Because, in all honesty, <clears throat> looking when you were looking into this draft, this draft outside the top two, it was kind of it was it was top heavy. That's what everybody is. Everybody was like, it's top heavy. Everybody underneath those two was kind of like, and eh, you want those two picks. Other than that, it was kind of like a toss-up. It wasn't like nobody really was, like, fighting for those other spots or anything like that. At the fourth pick, the Phoenix Suns took Dragan Bender. You know, he did not pan out well. They thought they were going to get them another Porzingis-type player because, you know, Porzingis was balling out in New York, so they thought he was going to be that. Didn't, <coughs> didn't pan out. Um, Number five, you had Chris Dunn. Number six, you had Buddy hill Seven, Jamal Murray. Eight, Marquise Chris. Nine, Yaka Portal. Um, 10 Thonmaker, 11, Sabonis. 12, Torian Prince. 13, um, what's it called Papayanis? And then you had Denzel Valentine, Juan Herman Gomez. Shout out to the Celtics, just picked him up. Um, and then you had Yabu. The Celtics dra- drafted Yabu. He's no longer with us, but you know, we we drafted Yabu. <clears throat> and then that, that that was the top 16. You know, we always in this series, we always do the 16. We don't do 14. We always go to 16 because it used to be four of us going up together. And it just evened out so that everybody got a pick. So we're just sticking with it. We just do the top 16. So in this redraft for the, the 76ers with the first overall pick, I love Ben Simmons. I've talked about it plenty of game, and I know it's not popular like Ben Simmons right now because all the slander he's taking. I still love Ben Simmons. I still think he's an amazing player. Top point guard. One of the top play, top athletes in the league still. However, fit-wise next to Embiid, I don't think if the 76ers should redraft, they would still take Ben Simmons because of the fit. I like. There's no bias in this at all. But I have them taking Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was an all-star this year, and I wholeheartedly believe that Jalen Brown is a better overall player than Brandon Ingram, who was the other option to take in number one. I wholeheartedly believe that Jalen Brown is a better player. He's a better defender. He's a better shooter. He was a borderline 40% three-point shooter this year. I think he shot like 39.7, 39.8. Um, B.I. was thought of as a number one option until Zion got there. And I know BI isn't in the most ideal situation spacing wise. You know, last year they had to deal with cause Zion's so dominant in the paint. And you have Steven Adams in the paint. And you have Lonzo. He 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 who who shot really well. He actually shot really well. And then you have Eric Bledsoe, who's gonna be in the paint. Just spacing wise, they weren't they they weren't equipped. They weren't it wasn't an ideal spacing wise. There was too many people in the paint b i likes you know slash shoot that mid range jumper his three pointer is good but it's not it's not great so he doesn't you don't want him selling for the dollar threes you if you want how you want b i playing is mid range to slashing and he wasn't in the most ideal situation so he was still an all star though but he wasn't in the most ideal situation he was still a number two on that team both b i and jalen brown are number twos on their team. I know a lot of people think it's like, they are talking about like it's B.I.'s team is Zion's team is Zion's team is Zion's team. Let's be realistic. Zion was their number one option. He led their team in scoring. B.I. is the number two on that team. And as a number two, Jalen Brown played better as a number two than B.I. Yes. Jalen Brown is in a better situation and we can play the what ifs. If B.I. was in his situation, how would he play? Blah, blah, blah. We don't know. We can't. We can't give a answer. Uh, we can't give a definite answer. We can't like. So it's just that's just how I'm grading. It. And I'm saying Bi Jalen Brown played better as a number two than Bi. And with Embiid, I will take the better defender and shooter alongside rather than the better scorer because Bi is a better pure scorer, but Jalen Brown is a better shooter and defender. That's that's just how. I, Um, I feel so alongside Embiid, I feel like you'd have that, that defensive player that can be the number one option defensively and while being the number two option, offensively create a shot, do everything like that. Um, the only concern, (coughs) I'm sorry, I'm still coming down from the sickness. The only concern I have is that JB came in the league extremely raw. Like I said, he came out, he came in the league raw out of Cal, um, I remember being excited because I saw, I used to watch like home team hoop clips of him and he looked real good in high school and everything. I really liked his game. So when he got to the Celtics, I was ecstatic, but he came in the league as a very, you no know, very athletic player. Didn't really have the handle. Didn't really have the jumper. And over the years, we have seen amazing progression with him as he went from like, you know, he went from a three and D possible guy to an all-star when the Celtics picked him up at three. Nobody was saying he was going to be awesome. People are like, uh, if he can put it together and he can put everything together, he might be a Nick Batum. He might be this, he might be the, he might be just a good athlete and he might be a really good defender who can, if he can find a shot, he'll be a three and D guy, He'd be a really good three and D guy. But he, you know, he went above and beyond and exceeded everyone's expectations. And I'm glad he did. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he did. And I don't think anybody really saw him reaching this level and potentially going farther, so, uh, if the seventy sixers are willing to be patient with them, and I know the process was going on at this time, so they're more likely going to be patient with them, especially since, like I said, Benson has missed his first rook, his first year. And so, as long as they're patient with JB, and because JB is just not breaking out, you got to remember that. Like last year, he played the year before, he played really, he played well, averaging like around twenty a game. With Gordon Hayward and all them there. But this year he really broke out as the number two, like the true number two. Everybody thought Kimball was gonna be the number two and Tatum be the number one. Then <clears throat> Jalen Brown came in and was like, no, I'm the number two. I'm coming in to mean the number two. So, like I said, if Philly's patient, he's a number, he's a good like compliment with Embiid. Um, at the number two, the, for the second overall pick, the I have the Lakers taking. Uh so here, here's the thing. They already have D'Lo, so mean, Jay I mean, um, Jamal Murray's out the picture. I know D'Lo doesn't end up staying, and they end up moving him, but at this time, they have D'Angelo Russell. So, because they have D'Lo there, taking Jamal Murray doesn't make sense at this pick. So, I'll have the Lakers sticking with their pick of B.I. based on like you know, the current roster construction. B.I. was still a good player. Um, Simmons wouldn't work spacing wise yes they have Nick young yeah they had Lou will and Jose Calderon but outside of them they really didn't have spacing on that team that year they didn't they had a lot of big they, and their bigs couldn't shoot so Benton Simmons wouldn't be a good pick right there especially since he's struggling finding a shot you put him on a team with non-shooters and his rookie year would have been a disaster in my opinion so I think it's best that they stick with um bi. And then they still package them along with um everything, get, put them with everybody else, and get AD. I don't think the Lakers are upset at that. They they still get they still package along, get Anthony Davis. Because even if they got Jalen Brown or they got Ben Simmons there, I'm pretty sure they would still packaging along just to get Anthony Davis. So the Lakers, I have them sticking with their pick of Bi, um, not. Not really much shade of there, like I said, because I'm I'm focusing more on the future trade right there, because that's who they obviously wanted. Because LeBron was like coming in and everything <clears throat> the next year. Or so uh, number three, I have the Celtics taking. Yeah, the Celtics Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons will fall to the Celtics, and even through, like I said, his recent shortcomings, I am still high on Ben Simmons. I think here would be a good landing spot, well, actually a great landing spot with them. We had shooting bigs at the time and Kelly Olynyk, Al Horford, and then defensively, we would have been fine with, uh, you know, Avery Bradley was still there, Jay Crowder was there, Marcus Smart there, and Ben Simmons, we would have been a really good defensive team. He has the spacing alongside him, too. We finished number one in the East that year, too. We made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, and like I said, Brown was a raw prospect, he only came in averaging six points a game, three rebounds, two assists as a rookie. Not too great shooting efficiency either. So he, so not having them him there and having Ben Simmons there, or because technically Ben Simmons missed his rookie year. If Ben Simmons not there, take Brown away altogether. I we still would have been fine without him. And then adding Ben Simmons the next year with Kyrie, Tatum, Hayward. Like, we would have been at a space to space the floor. We would have saw how dominant Simmons was. Like, us, you know, we all saw how dominant Simmons was his rookie year. He he ever, like, 16-8-8, eight eight, balled out, looked really good. Now, imagine him right there, but with the space of Kyrie beside him, Tatum beside him, Hayward beside him, and Al Horford, nobody. He has all the spacing in the world. He can just – he has – all scores around him like everybody on the run score so he's just in playmaking heaven um we still have to work with him developmentally wise but i think he still would have been fine here and if the outside of like i think this would have been his best landing spot outside of field i don't feel like the lakers would work so i feel like this would have been the best landing spot for him um I said it's cool to hate on Ben Simmons right now. I know, but he's still a three-time All Star, two-time All NBA. I mean, two-time All Defense, one-time All NBA, and he's a, he's led the league in steals. So, <clears throat> defensive um uh, defensive player of the year candidate. He was second last year. I mean, he's still he's still a really really good player, and I like I said, I think this would be a great spot for him. I would love to have Simmons on my team. Honestly, I still love to have Brown on my team more than Simmons, but if we no longer have Brown, I think Simmons would still be a good player to have. Um at number four with the Phoenix Suns, the Suns at this point were still poverty. And with Booker being in his second year and needing a second star alongside him, I have them taking Jamal Murray. Um they did have Bledsoe and Brandon Knight and Tyler Ewless and Ronnie Price at the PG position. And so they had all these point guards, but Murray is better than all of them. So even though they had all these other options, I have them going with the best player available left and pairing a Jamal Murray, you know, Devin Booker, back, backcourt. It would have been beautiful. My point, um, Blesso at this time was still known as baby Braun. He was still a good young player. Um, but hindsight being 2020, 20, like I said, Murray is definitely the better option here. He's a better player and he's a good score above average playmaker the firepower with murray and booker that would be lethal that would be amazing and i think that would have kickstarted the suns rebuild and made it like happen faster who knows cuz we all saw that what booker needed was just another point guard or another guard beside him because he's not the he's not a point guard murray's not the prototypical point guard either cuz jokic does the majority of the playmaking but I still think they could've made that work in the backcourt right there. That's just my personal opinion. I think they could have worked. So number five, I have the Timberwolves taking Pascal Siakam. I think he's the no-brainer option here. He's an all-star and the only one out of the top guys who have is an NBA championship. He already he's he already has a ring. He played a prominent role in the ship. And he looked like he had next after Kawhi left. Toronto had a good year. But you know, they had a good year after Kawhi still, but Siakam was kind of exposed in the playoffs and the play on playing because he was showing he really didn't have a bag. He he couldn't create an offense for himself as the number one and people focusing in on him. He didn't he didn't look good as the number one. So with Siakam not being able to do all the things, he was trying to like even social media gave him the nickname Mr. Spin Move for a reason because he couldn't create a shot. All you saw he tried to do a spin move and try to go to the basket. If he got cut off, he tried to shoot a fadeaway. It ended very poorly with him more times than not. So, he he not he he did he had a lot of weakness. But that weakness isn't enough to make a team second guess on selecting him this early in the rejab So, I have the Timberwolves taking Pascal Siakam right there. Um the Pelicans. This pick I kind of struggled on because okay. So, here's the thing. We have the best available in Sabonis right there. And knowing, like, you know, how, you know, Boogie left and just had 80 there. Wait, come on, wait, no. I'm over here mixing up. Because, wait, no. I got the Pelican. So, no, wait. I'm over here tripping. Because uh, Buddy Hill was there. Buddy Hill was a part of that trade to get um Boogie because I remember that was when they were talking about Buddy Hill was like Steph Curry. The owner was like loving. The Sacramento owner was loving him. So with the Pelicans, so Sacramento would take a bonus, is who I'm thinking, but if it's Sacramento then before I'm no I I'm thinking if it's the Pelicans then it's a bonus and eighty. I'm not sure how exactly that matches up. I I don't I don't I don't know if that matches up or if they still want to go after Boogie. I don't know, I don't know if the Kings will still wanna go. So I don't think we ever see the eighty boogie connection if this pick happens. I kind of want to see that pick. I still kind of, I still want to see that combination. So I'm have them. I'm have them going somewhere. I'm, I'm having them taking, um, Karis Levert. I'm having taken taking Karis Levert. At first I was thinking about having them take a bonus, but, <clears throat> uh, I'm have, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up that, that, that boogie, that boogie move. So I'm gonna have them taking Karis Levert. And so. Yeah. I, I just, cause I can't, I just can't see them, you know, 80 and book work oh, God. 2016 yeah that was that trade that was that trade so yeah i'm having taken karis lavert um karis Levert still a really good player borderline all-star you know he had a borderline all-star type season with the pacers looked really good coming back of injury I'm really excited to see how he goes this year with a full year with the Pacers. We'll have TJ Warren there. We'll have Malcolm Brogdon there. They'll be a good team. The Pacers will be a good underdog team. Y'all need to look out for them. And so definitely, definitely look at them. So I do want to say with the Pelicans, I would have them take in um, Karis Levert. At seven, with Jamal Murray gone, the Nuggets will need another scorer. That can also space the floor because, you know, Jokic can pass. Jokic can do it all. And Buddy Hill seems to be the best player for the job. He's a career forty percent three point shooter. Get it, He's got as high as you know twenty points a game. He like I think was that like two three years ago. He averaged twenty a game. For a career, he averaged around sixteen a game. But he wants a bigger role, a bigger opportunity, and this provides it right here. The Nuggets had Murray playing the two his rookie year anyway, so having Buddy Hill there instead, they'll still be fine. Cause I believe yeah, at that time they still had Jameer Nelson and they still had Emil Moody, cause Email Moody was in his second year. They weren't sure about him yet. So you just put Buddy Hill there at the two instead of Jamal Murray. But as i said before, like the guard position don't really matter with Jokic. So even if they got rid of email moody the next year or whatever, like they got Mayo Moody eventually. It it didn't it doesn't matter because Jokic is gonna be the primary playmaker. As long as they can have a guard that can come now, bring the ball up the court, and then they run their offense through Jokic and everything, and he just be a good score. I think Buddy Hill will still work pretty well there. Eight this <coughs> the Sacramento Kings, this is where I would take the bonus, you know, because the, the next Steph Curry isn't there anymore. Uh, the boogie, like I said, the boogie trade doesn't really happen or maybe it still does we don't know wait no they only wanted it because of Buddy Hill so the boogie trade doesn't happen so yeah you got the Pelicans with I could have still took it in there yeah but anyways we got the Pelicans with Karis LaVert and so we're gonna have the Kings with Sabonis and I know that fit doesn't really doesn't really fit well either but I still think I think that they're going to be worried about Boogie leaving in free agency. You got to remember Boogie left New Orleans still in free agency. So I feel like they're going to be worried that he's going to leave in free agency still because Sacramento was poverty at that time. So they replace, They draft his replacement so that Boogie can go ahead. When he heads out the door, they have somebody there. I don't think that really changes anything. I don't think that really stops anything. Um, instead of having them maybe walk in the door, maybe they still trade Boogie and get other assets to make the, you know, jumpstart their poverty franchise and have Sabonis be their focal point. Sabonis with whatever assets they get in the Boogie trade, who knows how that goes. That's just how I would have played. I would have got Sabonis and traded Boogie because they looked like they were moving on from the Boogie era anyways. So I just think Sabonis would be the perfect pick for the Kings at eight at nine. um, I have the Raptors actually drafting the player, they picked up as an undrafted free agent. Um, Fred Van Fleet. Fred Van Fleet was an undrafted free agent this year, and he's been a consistent scorer and player for this Raptors team. He is their, you know, quote-unquote point guard of the future, even though he's like 27, 28 years old. He's also a champion. He's shown consistent growth in his scoring, going from threes rookie year to now almost 20 points a game this past season, so not much would change with him coming in already, because, you know, like I said, he came in with his team already as an undrafted free agent. They still have DeMar DeRozan at the time. They still have Kyle Lowry. They still have Serge Ibaka. I think Fred Fanfleet would have been fine right here, coming in and still building with the Raptors. Uh, Number 10, the Bucks. I have, you know, since they went out and got Drew Holiday this past year, because they needed more defense and playmaking at the guard position. So, I'm gonna solve that right now. They're not gonna take Don Maker. They're gonna solve this right now, and they're gonna take one of my favorite players in the NBA today, DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray is an elite perimeter defender who has gradually been improving on offense, you know, averaged 16 points a game last year. His three ball is definitely still a problem. But we saw Drew Holiday struggle shooting wise, all playoffs, and they were still fine because his immaculate defense, um, so the only thing about that is like DeJounte Murray is not Drew Holiday defensively yet because DeJounte Murray is on the thinner side and he can't really body people like Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was good at bodying people. But, you know, DeJounte is still a really good defender. Uh, their guards at the time of the draft were pretty awful which is originally why they, I think they took, yeah, they took Brogdon later on in this draft because their guard play was pretty bad and they didn't know Brogdon was going to turn into what he was. He was a really good player. Um, But I still take have take, you know, have them taking DeJounte Murray right here so they can have that defensive potential right there. Honestly, it's a toss up between me for Brogdon or DeJounte. So if somebody else wanted them to take Malcolm Brogdon, you're like, yay, why didn't you take Malcolm Brogdon first? uh it's a toss-up so if you want to take my Brown, you can't I think I'm going with the defensive potential because I want to have that Bucks team because they already have a lead defensive team nowadays I want them to keep building on that defense so DeJounte would have been the best pick for my for me at this pick um at 11 uh I think yeah the Orlando Magic had this pick but they traded it to OKC because that was the um because this pick was traded that was that Ibaka trade so Cause usually I don't do trades, but since this was a trade on, this was a trade before the player actually got there. I'll, I'll allow it all it. So they already have Russ and Depot there in OKC. So I have, I'll still have them take the best player available in Malcolm Brogdon. I know there's going to be a lot of guard play, but Malcolm Brogdon is a good scorer, good all around player. And you know, Russ is an amazing rebounder depot is really at this time was a really good defender they'd have a very small team but i think defensively with russ and depot there they'd be fine and russ grabbing boards i think they would have been fine with that small very small backcourt um you know malcolm brogdon bought out his rookie year you know 50 40 90 player his last year in milwaukee averaged 20 a game last year and i really like his game he might not be one of the like the he might be like a top 10 point guard in the league but he's in the upper tier of starting point guards like he's up he is a championship contender caliber point guard he's just not going to be the number one option on a championship contender he'd be the number two or number three more like the number three option in since he's such a good off-ball player i think he'd be fine in that role um so that was what was, what pick was that 11 right 11 yeah to, from Magic OKC. So 12, you had the Atlanta Hawks. Again, I'll take who I believe is the best talent left available in Malik Beasley. He was gradually, he's he's gradually grown as a good scorer. I think he averaged like 20 a game ever since he's been in Minnesota. 40% three-point shooter ever since he's been in a Minnesota. On the court, he's a solid caliber, like, <clears throat> I'm over here messing up my work. He is a solid starter caliber player off, on the court. And so he's really, he's, uh, you know, he does his job. He does what he needs to do on the court, off the court, though. We don't talk about that because he doesn't respect women, but on the court, he's a baller off the court. Not so much. Um, At number 13, we have the Phoenix Suns again. And since they have their, you know, their backcourt of the future locked in, I'm going to have them take Zubok. Zubak, even though he's not the best player left that we, uh, we have um he's probably the best big man left we have so so they already have the f- um backcourt they need to work on their front court. so have a big like zubak there just to protect the paint and this wasn't necessarily all the way to where bigs were unplayable they were getting to their point this is this darn near the point. This is right before Steph went crazy in his MVP season. So this might, this might can go either way, but I still want them taking a big. So I think Zubach would be good there at 14 to Chicago Bull. I have them drafting their latest acquisition, Alex Caruso. Alex Carugo to bring the defense and energy. This man, you know, he older. He's, you know, he's, he's, he, 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 this is the older Bulls team. Alex Russo is kind of an older player. I believe he went undrafted as well, but you know, this Bulls team had Jimmy Butler, um, John Rondo, Dwayne Wade. So they had all those people in this board his backcourt and Alex Caruso is a glorified role player. He does all the little te- things a team needs. So I really see him fi- like he really fits in any roster. So with the Chicago Bulls and not many players being left, I see the Chicago Bulls just taking him. They gave him a big contract this year anyway, so obviously they like him. So I'm going to keep the I'm going to have the Chicago Bulls taking Alex Caruso um at 15 the Denver Nuggets. Um see Fifteen and sixteen were a coin flip as well, because uh, there there's only two. There's two really good players left. That the two three and D players I really like left. You have Torian Prince and Dorian Finley, Finney Smith. So it's like I said, it's a coin flip here. Uh, and although Torian Prince had more hype coming out than uh, Smith, I'm gonna take Smith here because uh, I think I think he's the better three and D player. He has the better potential to become a better 3D player. He's been gradually improving. So I'm going to take Dorian Finney-Smith right here at 15 with the Nuggets. And at 16, since Dorian was taken before, I'm just going to have the Celtics take the other 3D prospect in Torian Prince. This was, you know, this was a shorter one of the redrafts. I didn't really have too much to say. This wasn't one of the stronger drafts. Like I said before, it's very top heavy. So you notice most of my talking came from the beginning. But as we got to these lower and lower players, I didn't really have much to say about them. It was just kind of like, take the best player available. Take the best fit. But anyways, guys, that was the 2016 redraft. You should be getting the 2015 redraft next week barring anything crazy happens 2015 be ready for that anyways guys this has been another episode of the Ath geeks podcast always 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 remember to respect women but most importantly remember to respect yourselves kings because sipping ain't pimping and we out